Hello. Welcome to the Zuper FM podcast, Field Service Your Way, with me, Michael Israel. In this podcast series, we'll chat with field service experts and veterans to learn how they exploit technology solutions, along with a completed service work culture and philosophy, to advance their field service operations and enrich their customers' experiences. Now, let's gather some insights from today's guest. Hello and welcome to Zuper FM, Field Service Your Way, with your host, Michael Israel. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing pretty good today. How are you, Wendy? Oh, I'm doing good. Now, I hear we're going to talk in, about the the big thing, the what everybody's talking about, AI. We're going to be talking about AI today. Is that right? Yeah, I thought everybody was talking about the movie Barbie. <laughs> oh. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about AI today and especially its impact on field service. Okay. And we have a guest today. Who do we have, Michael? We have Jeff Oskin, who is the founder and president of Jeff. Introduce your company, please. Yeah, Michael, uh, pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity to invite Wendy. Thank you uh, for your uh, hostess duties. I uh, certainly appreciate it. And uh, my company is New Logic, and New Logic is all about helping uh, businesses, business owners, uh, really navigate the mess that is AI. Uh, <laughs> it is a wild, wild west out there right now, and uh, people are having a, a lot of trouble making heads or tails and kind of sifting through the noise of these seemingly overwhelming number of applications. And what New Logic is all about is helping folks make practical decisions around how to leverage AI in their respective business. Jeff, it's great to have you. You and I have known each other for quite a while now, I think about 10 to 12 years, and we've worked together a few times. It's really nice to have you participate in this podcast. And I know you have a great deal of expertise in not only field service, but also artificial intelligence. Well, you do want to talk a little bit about what your company does and how you help your customers navigate the mess, as you call it, of uh, AI? Sure. So, yeah, Michael, thanks so much. And sure. It, we have known each other a long time and, you know, my roots similar to yours are really heavily oriented in the field service, customer service space. Right. You know, my career spans about 30, 31 odd years, most of which in technology and most of which in the, the field service, customer service space. And so it's, you know, it's an area that is certainly near and dear to my heart. And then from a, a new logic perspective, you know, helping folks understand, first of all, you know, what is this thing called AI? What's it really attempting to do? And then more importantly, we work through, uh, for example, starting with an initial workshop, we try and help companies understand specific to their landscape, specific to, you know, their business processes, their existing investments, where may, where might this thing called AI fit for their particular use case and more importantly, how can they generate a return? You know, technology, and I think we both share this mindset, technology for the sake of technology is not terribly interesting, especially to business owners. You know, I think it's about having a practical return, a strong ROI. And that's really what we're about is trying to help them, again, sift through that noise and figure out what makes sense for their respective business. Yeah, that's great. I think that it's really remarkable and wonderful, actually, that you're taking your significant experience in the field service space and applying applying artificial intelligence capabilities to that space. So congratulations on doing that. And thank you for, uh, thank you for doing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
you know, when appropriate, I can show you just a, a quick snapshot of a of an image that, you know, might help frame for the audience a little bit about, at least within the confines of customer service, which is an aspect of field service, you know, where AI can fit. And, you know, we, we can get to that when appropriate. Well, there's no time like the present. If you want to show it now, we can do that. All right. Well, maybe this can help tee up and frame our conversation a little sure. bit. Sure, sure. So let me go ahead and just share something real quick and mm -hmm. fancy here. But what I do want to highlight is that, you know, the foundation for any AI application deployment in any organization, especially within a service oriented organization is it starts with a strong foundation. And that foundation is in some sort of field service platform and or some sort of ticketing system, mm -hmm. whether it be a Zendesk, a Zooper, you know, any of the number of different platforms that are out there, those are kind of the table stakes, if you will, to be able to uh, gain entry, to be able to leverage ROI or to leverage AI, excuse me, largely because AI is dependent upon that foundational data to exist in order to do the magic it does. And as you look about the landscape of customer care, I think we're all familiar with chatbots. They tend to be the annoying little things that pop up mm -hmm. on a website that aren't terribly useful, uh, but yet they're there. Mm -hmm. What AI has done is really taken those annoying things and made them really, quite frankly, very useful. Uh, the primary difference being that you know chatbots are programmed uh, to respond in certain ways and they're pre-programmed and they really can't navigate from that pre-programmed mindset. Whereas AI chatbots really learn from themselves and learn from information that continually evolves in that foundational set of systems and allows the responses to be much more useful from a customer uh, standpoint. It makes the customer experience much stronger. And then you can layer on top of that and really take it to the next level and layer voice in. And again, this is different than what most people are accustomed to. I think most people think about voice interaction and the frustration that comes with things like their credit card or their airline or any of the other number of different voice interactions you have when you just want to scream at whoever it is <laughs> might be on the other end of the line. <laughs> You know, what, what makes these fundamentally different, again, is that they are not pre-programmed in a manner that is very rigid, which is kind of the, you know, the call tree mindset of most, unfortunately, the systems we interact with. Yeah. Whereas AI voice chatbots, again, learn from an ever-evolving foundation. Uh, so, for example, if in that foundational platform, you resolve a particular ticket or customer issue with certain information, the next time any customer comes and interacts with your infrastructure, if they're using an AI chatbot, that information, that newest information is now available to the technology to be able to use to guide the customer to, to a solution. Whereas before that wasn't the case, that new information, unless it was programmed by somebody into the you know kind of foundational chatbots, wasn't accessible to the user. And so it really was dumb in many respects because the information became outdated basically the minute it was programmed. Sure. And so I think that's where this broad sphere of artificial intelligence really can help us, you know, make the overall customer experience for folks significantly better. Yeah. I mean, that's a really a step in the right direction for sure. I mean, we, you alluded to it, but we're all extremely frustrated when we get on the phone and are trying to get a question answered from our streaming TV service or whatever it is. And you're just trapped in this loop of 
asking the same question over and over and over again. And as you and I talked earlier this week, you know, we both have probably shouted at the top of our lungs, representative, representative over and over again to try to get a human being on the line. Yeah, we are well trained to to shout, whether it be representative or screaming obscenities or whatever it might be. There definitely are tricks to get out of getting out of the existing nightmare that, you know, is our phone trees. Yeah, my dogs usually get up and leave my office when I'm engaged yeah. in one of those uh, sessions. Same thing with chatbots. I mean, it's really, fr- uh, it's really frustrating is to uh, open up a chatbot and it gives you like five or six choices to choose from. And if what you're looking for isn't one of those choices, right. you're hosed, right? I mean, you're just not going to get anywhere. So the exactly. fact yeah. that, yeah, the fact that AI can kind of learn is sort of machine learning in a way, isn't it? That the fact that it can learn and add to the knowledge base, really, as a result, is is really remarkable and absolutely a step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And you bring up the topic of machine learning, and I think you know before we get too far down our path here, we want to take a step back and look at this thing called AI, and especially from a field service standpoint. And you know, it's not just about applications; it's not just about chatbots. There are kind of really three fundamental tenets of AI within field service. Applications certainly is one of them. And, you know, we'll get in and talk a little bit about some of the different applications beyond chatbots, but, you know, kind of the other two platforms that are certainly worth mentioning are things like wearables. Uh, Wearables with being able to leverage AI are certainly making inroads to make junior field service personnel easier to, to, to be deployed in complex environments by using wearable technology where more senior seasoned staff can be in a remote office and, and remotely guiding them using this wearable technology. Sure. And then the, the, the third piece is, as you mentioned, machine learning. And machine learning has been around, as you and I both well know, for a long time. It's It's typically called Internet of Things or IoT. Mm-hmm. which is really kind of the precursor to this avalanche of AI that's now available to the masses. And, you know, really the fundamental difference is that, you know, when ChatGPT was released late last year, it, it really, it took something that had been in kind of a very small confined set of industries and circles and made it available to the masses. And, you know, the avalanche has followed. Yeah, that's very interesting. So given your field service background and now your knowledge of AI, give me some examples of the the big impacts really that you think AI can have in a field service environment. Yeah, so I think th- there are certainly a few. Um, as, as you think about uh, what AI is all about, it is taking and being able to mine complex volumes of data, learn from that data, and then do something with it, uh, make decisions. Much the same way human beings interact and look for patterns in data and attempt to make decisions on them. But if you think about, you know, from a field service standpoint, we talked about kind of the first customer experience or interaction and, you know, AI chatbots or voice-based chatbots, you know, that fundamentally, again, is using knowledge bases, ticketing systems, some combination thereof, manuals, et cetera, to be able to extract information and allow a user to query in a very unstructured way uh, information that, you know, previously somebody had to remember, somebody had to mm-hmm. know about. 
in order to, to produce it. So that's certainly one way. But as you go beyond that, from a field service standpoint, think about scheduling mm-hmm. a dispatch has for, you know, kind of a long time been at the forefront of what organizations have been trying to do with schedule optimization and routing and whatnot. But, you know, again, those by and large were based upon users pre-programming the the right parameters. But, you know, the word right is the key there. You know, what they perceive to be the right parameters may in fact not be the right parameters. And where AI can come into the equation is it is continually understanding and therefore can continually adjust those parameters to truly optimize the schedule and dispatch of scheduling engines. You know, wearables, we talk about wearables, you know, wearables provide access to information, both printed information. So think about manuals in PDF mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. Right. right? Being able to interact with a, a, a headset glasses that you can see a manual, you can query it with your voice and be able to you know, have no knowledge necessarily about the content of the manual, but be able to ask it a question and for the AI application sitting behind there to produce in that wearable glass, the information that you're looking for while you're in front of a piece of equipment or at a customer site, again, with with limited knowledge about how it exists. And if you think about, you know, kind of the general field service landscape, it's by and large aging. The, you know, the career of field service for the younger generation isn't as sexy, quote unquote, as it was perhaps for, you know, folks like you and I, whenever we were earlier in our careers. And, you know, as a result, a lot of the knowledge is contained in seasoned senior workers that necessarily want to live their life on the road. And if there's a way to tap into that knowledge through things like wearables and 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 through things like AI to be able to extend that out to a more junior workforce or to you know have folks that have less experience but can tap into that knowledge that makes the job from a service standpoint significantly easier yeah there's a couple of points i want to make with regard to what you just said one is that data is all important right i mean in order for AI to do its job and make recommendations, there's it's got to have a foundation of data that it can access. 100%. And the, yeah, and the more data, the better, and the more accurate the data is, the better as well. So that means that that data has to be gathered in some fashion and stored in some fashion. And for field service, that means using a technology that allows the technician that's working on a product in the field to gather all the information about that product. You know, what was the problem? What's the diagnostic steps that I went through? What parts did I use to correct the problem? What other repair steps did I use to correct the problem? And if all of that data is gathered and stored so that it can be accessible, not only by a human being, but by an AI application, for example, then the AI application can make make recommendations on such things as, Okay, does it is the pro, does this particular product model number have an issue across the board with the model? Do we need to create an engineering change, a safety change, something like that? Can I compare the performance of technician A versus technicians B, C, and D to see who's being the most productive, not so you can fire them, but so that you can educate them better so that everyone is equally talented? And the other point I wanted to make just quickly is you talked about the aging workforce and the tribal knowledge. And I think that's extraordinarily important. And the ability for that knowledge to be captured through the work that they perform 
so that it becomes accessible to the younger generation and the younger generation that is entering this business or this, this ecosystem of field service, whether it's in the trades or high tech or whatever, the younger generation wants to be able to access and pardon the expression, play with this technology. And sure. so if you're offering that capability to a younger generation, then they're going to be more inclined to want to pursue a, a career in field service. So I just wanted to make, add those points to what you had said. No, you are 100% correct. You know, again, table stakes to, you know, AI, regardless of application, uh, but especially true in service, <clears throat> table stakes is having a solid foundation of data. And that foundation of data needs to come in a strong service management infrastructure, a technical service management infrastructure. Right. You've previously talked about and done a fantastic podcast on the concept of completed service work. You know, that the data captured in that concept is exactly the type of data that is required for AI to be effective. And that's, again, I go back to the comment I made earlier in passing around, you know, I'm not a fan for deploying technology for the sake of technology. You know, I would never walk into an organization and recommend they deploy AI if they don't have a service management infrastructure, because all they're doing is right. feeling about using AI, but it's really not going to deliver any business value or benefit for them. So that's kind of point one. Point two is you talk about the younger generation. The fact of the matter is that, you know, AI and and phones and electronics and media, that is the way that this generation has grown up and they're very yeah. accustomed and in tune to it. And I know one of the big fears that I hear from business owners is, you know, how can I trust information I put into these engines to not be stolen, to not be made available to my competitor and so on and so forth. And I think they're spot on in some of that. And so I think people need to be really careful with using an off the shelf tool like a chat GPT in its current form, because anything you put in there is now in the public domain, including your work instructions, including your proprietary, you know, data and systems. And, and so looking to not leverage the, the public domain, but, you know, chat GPT just released a, a chat GPT enterprise, which is meant to really address that concern. It is mm. a version of open AI that sits inside your four walls and the data that you put into it is not shared externally outside your four walls. Okay. And, you know, as you think about how do I attract a, a younger generation workforce, if I can have tools that they're accustomed to using in their everyday life, like a chat GPT, but I, as a business owner or a leader can protect my proprietary information. To me, that's a win-win. I'm providing technology that the younger generation wants it becomes attractive to come work here or work in my enterprise because I'm using it and I'm doing it in a way that is not compromising the, the very things that make me successful, i.e. my, you know, my proprietary processes, the data I'm gathering, whatever it is that, you know, fed into one of these off the shelf tools is no longer in the private domain. It's public now. Yeah. Unbeknownst so I'm sorry, go ahead, finish. I was going to say, it's, and that's unbeknownst to most people. Most people don't realize, you know, anything you put into ChatGPT or it produces is out there for the world to see. You got to find it, but it's there. Yeah. And some people are very adept at finding it. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So um, one of the things that I wanted to mention was, 
and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but on the, on the subject of recruiting the younger generation into Mm -hmm. this career path, I think that the fact that companies can state that they're taking advantage of AI capabilities to help people do a better job, that can be used really as part of, as somewhat of a recruiting tool as well with the younger generation. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, it's fascinating. You know, I know this is uh, focused on field service, but, you know, AI within HR, there's entire platforms that are purely AI driven that tap into social media accounts uh, of all sorts, you know, TikTok and LinkedIn and all kinds of Facebook and so on and so forth and mine that data to be able to identify ideal workers for your environment. Hmm. There's platforms that, and, and it's just fascinating the you know, the type of information that they're able to, to glean from tools that people use in their personal life and be able then to, you know, kind of triangulate to say this particular individual matches your culture, matches, would be a good fit for your organization. You should think about trying to recruit them. They're not even necessarily looking for a job. It's just a way to kind of circumvent the, hey, I posted a job and wait for people to apply approach. It's a much more proactive, again, AI-driven approach to go finding workers that have the right criteria to be successful in your organization. Yeah, I, I have two thoughts about that. One is that's a good thing potentially for companies that are having trouble finding talented, uh, dedicated people. The other thought I have is, geez, that's frightening. Isn't it though? Isn't it though? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. The, it's, yeah, it's, it's scary. You know, I, I, I will show people um, in the course of just kind of showing the power of AI, I will show them different things that frankly scares them. And yeah. it's meant not to scare them, but rather to get to equip them with knowledge about how this thing works so that, you know, they can make an informed decision about how they want to guide their business and the use of it going forward. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of switch gears just a little bit still in the AI realm, but what are your thoughts about how AI can help the business from a financial and performance perspective? You know, we've talked about things Mm -hmm. like identifying technicians that need training. We've talked about machines or pieces of equipment that maybe need to have some kind of engineering change or some, something done to it to make it more reliable across the board. What about the financial impact? Oh, gosh. So I think there are any number of different ways to measure the positive financial impact that AI can bring. I mean, just think about just the speed of decision making as one, you know, instead of having to go assimilate a bunch of data and aggregate it and link it and, you know, putting an AI engine on top of for example, if somebody's got a SharePoint repository, putting an AI engine, whether it's Microsoft's Copilot or whatever, on top of that and being able to, at a moment's notice, ask something and get the response instantly is just so different than the way most people historically have operated, right? It typically is, you know, the boss lady or boss man asks a question and you know, some days to weeks later, people come back with an answer, assuming that people remembered what to do versus, you know, in in today's world with AI to be able to go and when that thought comes to the individual's mind, to be able to query a system and instantly get the result and get it in whatever format you want, tabular format, graphical format, list format, whatever, is just so fundamentally different that I think changes the game from a, a speed decision-making standpoint sure. 
and I don't exactly know how to measure that truly from a, you know, how do you measure dollars and cents whenever you can make decisions in literally seconds instead of, you know, hours, weeks, and months potentially. Mm -hmm. The other, you know, big area is think about training, uh, especially from a field service standpoint. You know, there are uh, AI platforms out there that I literally can build an interactive training curriculum in minutes using tools that are out there. Whereas if you think about training the way it has historically been done, especially in service uh, arenas, it's one of two things. Either an individual goes and attends a physical training class and sits, you know, is unproductive for whatever period of time they're there. They're, you know, Monday through Friday sitting in, you know, an instructor-led class and certainly some value to uh, being in a room with other uh, compatriots going through the training. And the other approach is I record somebody doing the same and I make that recording available to people to watch at their leisure. Well, there's two fundamental drawbacks with both approaches. The minute the content changes, the minute I've got a new release, the minute I have a new way to solve a particular problem, the minute anything changes, that content needs to be updated and therefore the training material needs to be updated. Whereas with an AI, if that changes using some of the video platforms that are out there, I literally go in and change the text of the video. And in 10 seconds, I can have updated training materials that is instantly available to whomever wants to view it instead of having to gather the class back or wait for the next instructor-led training and do a new video. And the minute that video is up and something changes, it's out of date. So, you know, think about training and the speed of training and, you know, just the frequency of training Mm -hmm. where AI can provide, uh, you know, again, a significant value, I think, to service-based organizations that, you know, historically has just not been accessible to them because of the nature of technology. Well, and that by itself would have an enormous impact on productivity, on customer satisfaction, and also even on financial aspects, because if the technicians are trained with up-to-the-minute information, they're going to be much more effective in the field on on installing and repairing pieces of equipment in the field. One of the things that I've thought about with regard to AI and financial performance is the ability for somebody to do a query. Like in Zuper, we have announced something called Ziva, which is Zuper Information Virtual Assistant. And we can do a query. For example, I could say, can you compare the profit and loss in, say, Seattle for field service activities versus the profit and loss in, say, Dallas for mm-hmm. field service activities on the same piece of equipment? Yep. Or can I compare customer A to customer B in terms of hours spent you know, working on a product and the cost involved in delivering, delivering the service and the revenue? that results from delivering the service across two different customers that have the same piece of equipment. And why is one so much higher than the other? Sure. You know, maybe, yeah, you've, as long as the data is there, you've kind of always been able to do that analysis, but boy, was it painful, right? Right. Download the data project. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do all kinds of sorts and filters and pivot tables and now with AI, you can virtually get that information almost instantly. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about, you know, kind of one misnomer that I hear a lot out there. And it's, you know, I think the media perpetuates it a bit, uh, unfortunately. 
You know, I think most people's fear of AI is job loss and that, you know, the yeah. way to, to benefit from AI is to replace people in whatever job function he or she may be doing. And I think that is a tremendous disservice to, to AI and to really where the true value lies. I, in my opinion, you know, while I think there might be some cost savings potentially from eliminating some you know, kind of potentially lower level jobs. I think that is very, very minor in comparison to the opportunity in two different fronts. You mentioned one of them, which is productivity. Being able to leverage AI to be more productive, and you gave a, a perfect example of how an individual can be much more productive with information, the speed of decision-making, to be able to position their business, whatever their business is, and make decisions and make changes in that business much quicker than historically they've been able to. So there's a huge mm -hmm. productivity improvement. But the other one that people often overlook is the revenue side, the revenue, potential revenue gain. Mm -hmm. Think about a service organization. If I can charge more for my service because I'm leveraging AI in some meaningful way, I'm exposing this rich this rich set of data that i have and i'm exposing it to my customers now by using ai tools and allowing them to interact with their data and be able to see how does my piece of equipment compare with the universe that you're servicing right but to be able to charge for that and to be able to generate revenue from that for the service organization that is an entirely different revenue model that historically has not existed and i think that's really at the end of the day, where most of the opportunity from an AI standpoint is its productivity is certainly going to be close, but I think new revenue streams is really where this ultimately shakes out down the road as people get comfortable with use it, understand the power of it, and then flip that to say, okay, I now can monetize the use of this for my commercial benefit. Right. No, I, I think that's a great point. You made really two great points. One is the the fear of losing your job. And I, I think that fear is overblown. And that, that in fact, as a lot of reports have shown, there will be a lot of new opportunities generated as a result of AI. And I think the topic of how AI is going to impact future revenue opportunities is a great one. We should have another podcast on that. <laughs> we could probably do that. <laughs> yeah. And part of the reason I, I think it's a great idea and it's a great topic so let's think about that. But for today, we're running up against time. Okay. So I want to ask you one last question. And that is, what would your, what's your number one, maybe number two recommendation to people in the field service business today, as far as implementing AI? Well, I think it, it uh, I would call them 1A and 1B. I would say 1A goes back to make sure you've got a strong infrastructure of data for your service organization, whether it's a field service platform, ticketing system, some combination thereof, you need to have, as we've said numerous times, both of us, you need to have that foundational data before even thinking about AI. The 1B is really understand your, your unique set of business processes and your unique set of technologies that you're currently using and allow that to guide you to pick the AI application that will deliver the most ROI for you in the shortest period of time. In other words, don't just blindly pick one because everybody else says AI chatbots are the way to go. 
Uh, there might be other another opportunity that is very unique to your organization that will deliver a greater ROI that in turn allows you to get comfortable with this thing called AI and then figure out where to go from there. So again, focus on an ROI, have a good infrastructure. Yeah, that's great advice. So let me ask you, would you like to inform the audience of how they can get a hold of you how they can look at your company, New Logic, and how they can learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, Michael, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those that are so interested, newlogic.com, which is N-E-W-L-O-G-I-Q, newlogic.com. And certainly can can get a hold of me. Uh, it's jeff.oskin, uh, and that's O-S-K-I-N at newlogic.com. Thank you. Thank you, so, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. This has been I think for our audience, very, very informative. And it's it's great to be able to uh, collaborate with you again on this. And I look forward to perhaps having the opportunity to do so again in the not too distant future. Likewise, Michael, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Wendy. Back to you. All right, Michael. If somebody has a question about today's podcast, how do they get in touch with you? Okay. They can reach me at michael at zooper.co. And I want to emphasize it's .co, not .com. So Michael at Z-U-P-E-R.co. And you can also go to our website, of course, which is simply zuper.co as well. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thanks for listening to Zuper FM, field service your way. We hope you found this podcast helpful and informative and that you'll be able to apply some of the insights and tips from this conversation to elevate your customers' experiences through superior field service delivery. Thanks again.